Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is Tuesday, 7.16 a.m. Central Standard Time. It's the 24th of November, 2020, and we're getting pretty close to Thanksgiving Day here in the United States. This is episode 328 of Bitcoin, and Jack Everett is joining us from Thunder Games. <clears throat> we uh, talked about th- his company, Thunder Games, and what they're producing uh, a little bit, you know, some, some, uh, a little bit into mobile game stuff, you know, that that you know that kind of thing so uh we'll be doing that that's what we're going to be doing um before we do that however let's get into uh let's get into a little bit of um headlines just so we know what the hell's going around you know going around the horn uh here at decrypt they're basically going to cover oh let's see okx is giving customers up to a thousand dollars for some god forsaken reason uh, financial giant SBI wants to borrow your Bitcoin. It's a Japanese financial services player. Uh, they want to borrow your Bitcoin at 1% annual interest rate. Oh, 1%. Oh, oh good Lord. So, and uh, clearly, if you've been under a rock since you woke up out of bed, if you're here in the United States, uh, Bitcoin is has broken $19,000. Uh, we don't know what it's going to do. What's it at right now? It's at nineteen thousand two hundred sixty-two bucks, according to. Well, I'm looking at Binance. No, I'm looking at Bitfinex. Uh, so yeah, yeah, uh, we're we're breaking through that kind of crap. Binance is evicting all of its U.S. users. They've given everybody fourteen days to leave their exchange. If you are a United States Binance customer, get your shit off the exchange. Honestly, it never should have been there to begin with. Uh, let's see what's going on over at Coin Telegraph. That was all out of decrypt, by the way, just to see in case I didn't mention it. Uh, see, oh yeah, uh, Bitcoin hits the homepage of the Wall Street Journal. That's not the first time that's happened, guys. There's Ethereum 2.0 stuff. It's you know apparently it's gonna like actually be able to launch because some people were able to stake enough to finally get it to move. I don't know. It's just bizarre. Oh God, the Fed chair or uh, the Fed chair Janet Yellen has been tapped by President-elect Biden to be the United States Secretary of the Treasury. Uh, hello, Tarkus, my old friend. Oh, man, I can't wait for a, a, some, some confirmation, or any, not confirmation hearings, but any kind of... I, I need Bitcoin sign guy to come back and, and haunt Janet Yellen like the freaking plague, dude. What else is going on here? Uh, oh, yeah. Crypto.com secures regulatory approvals from Maltese authorities. Uh, there's some XRP news. Apparently it's not doing well today, even though it has been having a run up. Uh, let's see what's going on over at CoinDesk. <clears throat> let's see. CoinDesk is spinning up an Ethereum 2.0 node. Good luck on that. Nobody else can seem to do it. So whatever. Uh, is there anything else? 
IRS again warns crypto investors that they underreported gains. And PayPal CEO Shulman says he's bullish on Bitcoin as a currency. Things seem to be looking pretty good today, honestly. Uh, what is there anything over at Crypto Potato that seems really interesting? No, they not really. They have this bad habit of reporting on mostly shit coins. Although John Lennon and Yoko Ono's son, uh, you know, Bitcoin gives me optimism is what uh, Sean is saying. Sean is uh, just Sean Ono. What was it? Sean Ono Lennon. Uh, John Lennon's son. Apparently he's he's been kind of into Bitcoin for a while, so you know that's good. That's that that's always nice to see. Anything going on over crypto news? That's ah, all the same shit. You know, Bitcoin is the only thing that really matters, and everything else is kind of crap. Except, well, there's this quote from Saylor, <clears throat> Michael Saylor, from MicroStrategy: Bitcoin is a key engineering advancement for the progression of humanity. I cannot disagree with that. I, I I just can't. So let's move on into the future. With CNBC.com forward slash futures and commodities, we have oil up uh, 1.35. Oh, nice. So West Texas is trading at $43.64 a barrel. Brent North Sea up likewise 1.11%. It's going for 46 bucks and 57 cents per barrel. Natural gas is up one and a half. It's going for $2.75 for a thousand cubic feet of that. All the metals are down except for copper. God, I don't know. Maybe home building is on the rise or something, which is probably a bad thing to have happen right now. <clears throat> gold, however, ooh, God, gold is tanking, dude. 1.6% to the downside. And silver is even worse. 2.5 to the downside. Gold's going to come in at 1805 bucks. Silver is going to come in at 23 bucks an ounce. Platinum is kind of meh. It's 927 bucks. Palladium is down a full point, $2,333. Indexes, oh, we're saved to the meh side. Dow futures up a point. S&P futures up almost a point. NASDAQ futures up a third of a point. And the S&P mini is up 1.19. So we're saved in a meh sort of way. Bitcoin, real money. I'm showing at mombitinfocharts.com that we have a price of $19,205. I got a high over at Bitfinex at 19200 and No, oh, that's Coinbase Pro showing 19255 Nice. Hit BTC is the lowest one I got, 19151 So a full... $104 arbitrage range, whoop-de-doo, 328,000 transactions made in the last 24 hours. That's almost 14,000 transactions on average per hour. 2.36 million BTC have been sent in the, in, in, around the horn in the last 24 hours. 98,702 BTC are being sent every hour on the hour on the average. The average transaction value is 7.2 BTC. The median transaction is holding at 0.03 BTC. That's about 630 bucks. Block times are slightly high, 10 minutes and 17 seconds. <clears throat> 0.5 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis. 72.5 BTC being taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. A precipitous drop in hash rate, 14% to the downside, but we're still at 128.9 exahashes per second. I don't think that's really going to hurt us all that much. Uh, I'm not even going to talk about the rest of this stuff. This stuff looks sick. 
we're there's <clears throat> I guess it's alt season, guys. I don't know. It's just it's bullshit. But I'll give you this one. Litecoin is at eighty-seven bucks. Eighty-seven dollars for Litecoin. I, I really, really amazing. Dogecoin though is at zero point zero zero three seven. Excuse me, making Dogecoin probably the most stable shitcoin of all the shitcoins that were ever shitcoined. And at 41,000 transactions in the last 24 hours, it's smoking Ethereum Classic and Bcash as usual. And then Litecoin is coming in at 74,000 transactions in the last 24 hours. I, I don't know. I don't get it. Clark Moody. Let's find out what he's doing today. We have 26 blocks about to clear. And when they do, they will take 32,652 transactions down with them. There is 1,047 BTC in the Lightning Network, and that is now worth $20 million. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? 7,818 nodes carrying 35,961 channels. Tor capacity is at 51.5% of the Lightning Network. So more than half of the Lightning Network now running over Tor. That means that 539.4 BTC are in the Tor side of the Lightning Network. That is going to have 2,628 nodes. Clark Moody is reflecting a price of $19,218. Uh, Clark also says there's 18,552,812.9 BTC in circulation. And with today's price, you can now trade one Bitcoin for 10.5 ounces of gold. I don't recommend doing that. But the market cap of gold versus uh, Bitcoin or market cap of Bitcoin versus gold is now standing at 3.03%. Market capitalization has hit an all-time high for Bitcoin at $356.4 billion. That's a billion with a B. For all the people that were pointing at me and laughing, dude, have fun staying poor. <laughs> Let's get into some interview. Jack, welcome to Bitcoin And. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing good. Thanks. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, Jack, I got your contact from Desiree uh, Dickerson over at Lightning Labs, but we I'd done an interview with her about gaming and Mint Gox and asked her, you know, hey, who, who, who should I be doing next? And she, I think you were the first up on the list. And you are the founder and uh, leader of Thunder Games, correct? Yeah, Thunder Games. That's it. Spelled T H N D R. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty pleased that people are managing to understand my branding there because that was a bit of a, a random thing to try. You know that that's a good point because uh, branding, you know, everywhere is you know fairly important. But I, I mean, I immediately got it, and it made um, you know it's. It especially makes a lot of sense considering that the whole thing is followed by the lightning bolt emoji. That helps a lot. Yeah. Well, actually, so in some countries like um, the Spanish-speaking countries, I think they, they it's not landing there quite so well. Uh, I've had a few people quote me as THNDR games. So, yeah. um, but I think it'll, I think uh, yeah, just the clues of the lightning bolt in the logos hopefully will help because I get, I get obviously. It's, they don't say the word thunder. It must. I don't know how what it thunder is in Spanish, but 
Uh, so that's why yeah. it's not obvious, is it? Because it's not spelt the same. Right. So let, let's get some, I, I kind of let's start out with some, some context here. I kind of like, um, want to know a little bit more about you, but let's take you back to high school or, or rather, you know, the United Kingdom's equivalency of high school. So you're chilling out like 16, you know, in school, what do you, what are you doing? What are you thinking of? What do you want to do? Wow. That's a philo- philosophical question there. Um, yeah, I, I guess uh, I, I, I always wanted to make games when I was a kid. Um, and I think that was just because I liked playing them all the time. Like I used to like playing Mario Kart and um, a Destruction Derby and those sorts of games. Uh, Tomb Raider was one I used to play a lot. Uh, so, yeah, I just always kind of wanted to, to make games, I think, when I was a kid. So I was either thinking about that or football. Like the soccer, <laughs> yeah, <well. laughs> those two things. Well, so uh, w- was there any was there any outlets for that uh, provided to you by your uh, by your school? Did they have like a you know computer programming classes or anything like that? Uh, no, not really. We just used to do spreadsheets. Um, it was all like business related computer stuff. I, I don't really. We did do some programming for um, like robots. That was quite cool. So you could like instruct these little Lego robots to do things. Um, but no, we didn't actually have any uh, games, computer games or that kind of program, just basic industrial style work related ones. Were were those Lego, the Lego bots that you were talking about? Is, is that that Lego's Mindstorms? Uh, Did that, does know. that ring a bell? No, but it was like, I don't know if it was Lego. It was actual Lego. It was... I don't know. It was like you. we were making cranes. It was like a crane and you could program oh. it to move left and right and pick up something or, you know. Sounds like it, it sort of sounds like an erector set there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know what it was. So, but, well, yeah. like, so you're gaming when you're a kid. When did you first pick up? Would you, when did you first pick up, you know, video gaming and kind of fall in love with it? Because we all do. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think getting addicted to it is more what happens to you when you're a kid. It's like your <laughs> yeah, first rush with addiction, isn't it? Um, I think uh, the first games I played were on the NES. So that was like my era. I was when I was like 10-ish, I guess. I can't really remember. Okay. But yeah, the NES. Um, uh, one of the games, yeah, I used to play um, Mario and um, like a WrestleMania game on the NES. And one of my friends had yeah. Doom. I had Doom, and we used to play that, and I used to get so many nightmares after going around his house after oh. school playing Doom. It must have been his older brother's game or something. I was should not yeah. be playing that. <laughs> um, no, that was uh, yeah, that was that the Doom uh, the Doom stuff was was kind of brutal. Although it launched the the whole, uh, I would say online gaming uh, uh, element, but that's not it. It basically was the pre you know, the proof for lack of a better term, the pre image of being able to download games and all that. So, I mean, just the game mm. itself was revolutionary at the time, but the fact that they released it as an, like an FTP file uh, on a download um, across, you know, across for a, a special, I think you had to have a .edu email address to be able to get into the waiting room to get that thing. And their right. servers just, their servers just melted down. It was like, they just got lit on fire. Yeah. I, I don't I, know. There was just a, go, go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, I've seen a, like, obviously I was a bit too young to understand that side of things, but 
I did see a documentary recently about uh, they were in a, in a on one of the episodes. It was really interesting about I don't know exactly what you're talking about and how they were like the um, they were like on the forefront of like the multiplayer thing as well and like basically every kind of um, growth hack for a game that that you needed at that time they like invented effectively. Yeah. Yeah. And it was really funny. I, I was on and off again with a, a girl out in college and I had the misfortune. She, she made the, the wrong mistake of moving into the vacant house next door as a rental with her and her friends. And we ended up breaking up. And during that time of the breakup was when one of her best friends who was dating John Carmack at the time, John Carmack comes and takes them all to Disney World. Oh. Like, Really? And then, and then we got back together after that. And I'm like, man, that shit ain't fair, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and for those that listeners that don't know who John Carmack is, he was one of the uh, dynamic duo that, that came up with doom. I think he was the one that figured out how to get a PC to do side scrolling. I know the, the uh, documentary you're talking about, I can't mm. remember the name of it, but it's awfully good. It was awfully good, man. Um, so when did BTC run over you like a truck? Like when, <laughs> when did you get hit by Bitcoin? Yeah, I think it was um, probably, it's hard for me to, I remember, I don't remember the exact what how I heard about it or the date, but I remember the, I actually remember the block size, the block size, uh, the blockchain download size was eight gigabytes. So wow. someone, one of your listeners can figure it out for me and tweet me. <laughs> um, but I remember it was like eight point something and I downloaded, it took me like ages to download and I was like, this is ridiculous. No one's going to use this. <laughs> like who's going to download this? <laughs> um, right. So I, I guess it was like, I don't know, 2013, 2012 or something. Uh, and I probably no 20, I'm thinking more like probably 2011, uh, like at the front end at eight gigabytes. Cause it's, what is it? One, uh, I, I could, I could tell if I had my note up, but I, I, I don't want to get into all that. You were early. You saw it or you saw it a lot earlier than I did. I'll, I'll guarantee that. Well, I think I just was, it wasn't like I, I was really particularly, uh, recognized how good it was. It was more that, um, I just was bored, you know, one weekend and I heard about it. I guess uh -huh. there must've been a massive price rise at the same time. Otherwise I'm not sure how, I would have heard about it. And I was interested in it because um, I, I was always like working on like mobile games at the time. And obviously they had, they had virtual currencies and things. So I was kind of just wanted to see what it was about. So yeah, that's, I basically just downloaded the um, Bitcoin core client and around then. And I did do some, some uh, mining with um, a Jalapeno miner from, I can't remember who it was, Bit Fury, I think. No, Bit something. Um, yeah, that's a long time ago. That's like yeah, I think that that may predate Butterfly Labs. Yeah, I know it was. Uh, it was Butterfly Labs. Um, yeah, it was Butterfly Labs Jalapeno eight uh, five uh, gigahertz thing or something. Um, oh wow! Was my, I, I literally just bought a miner for fun to try it out, and as soon as I got it, obviously it was not profitable because it took so long to arrive. Right. <laughs> um, but it was, oh. well, it was fun at least you got yours. Yeah, you know, okay. Jack. At least you got got yours because they hosed the living daylights out of everybody at the very end. Where they just it was like one of the first exit scams in the industry. They just really like disappeared. I mean, yeah, I, there was I a lot of remember. people. 
Yeah, there was a, there was a lot. I remember that there was a lot of people that were waiting on their miners. And then at the very end, they just didn't get them. And right. I'm pretty sure that they also didn't get their money back either. But we see, we see a lot of that in this, in this industry from, well, I was about to say from time to time, but it's becoming more, more and more. Um, yeah. So now, so, so when you first got into Bitcoin or you first started looking at it, there was an immediate connection with gaming, like you were already looking at that, or was it something that was the connection to gaming something that you started thinking of a little bit later? The um, the connection to gaming at the start was not was not strong. It was just more like I know about virtual currencies in games, and then I've heard about this like digital currency, and I was just like, oh, what's the difference? Like, how how does it work? Like, because it was obviously brand new. Like I, did, right. I don't even know people were calling it blockchain then or some, or if, if that was a term, you know, um, or famously yeah. famous term then. So yeah, it didn't really, I didn't really put it together with games straight away, but at that time I did think is that it couldn't work for games because it was, um, too slow to confirm, you know, you couldn't, can't wait an hour for the, for the transaction to confirm in a game. Right. Um, it needs to be straight away. And also it was just incredibly complicated to use it was quite obvious mm -hmm. it was yes like i was just got scared copying and pasting a uh you know public key into a into a website to cash something out because i wasn't sure that my copy and paste had worked correctly like when there's money involved you start questioning did my copy and paste work like if i copied this string correctly so i was like oh, if, I... I'm, if, if i'm scared of this like people are going to be too scared to use it almost like there is a there, i don't know do you get that where you get a bit like well i need to double check um oh i still get that jack there is there the only okay the only time that i don't get that is when i'm using lightning but if i'm using yeah. if i'm doing a main chain transaction and i'm moving something between wallets i get freaked out and what really messes my head up and i'm, I'm glad i'm well i wish i was one of the whales but I'm not, so I don't have to worry about this. But I, I see it like, you know, I'll see a whale alert come across and it'll say $350 million worth of BTC has been transferred in this one transaction. And I'm like, all I can think of is, yeah, buddy, what did you have? How much did you drink so that you could feel good about press and send? Because yeah. that would scare the piss out of me, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whenever I said, just before I press send, they go and make a cup of tea. And just drink it first and then come back and then make sure I've done everything correctly. <laughs> but you're right about lightning. Right. That's true. I never I never get scared with lightning. I just just do it. Um I don't know why. I yeah, the amounts are Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I, I guess it's because um the format of how you pay someone is almost backwards, isn't it? Like they send you the invoice, sort of um a different format. Yeah, I really like that. And I also really like that, you know, that the form this kind of well, I always did like the uh push aspect of, you know, obviously both, you know, Bitcoin and and like, you know, and subsequently Lightning is that, you know, once I give an address to somebody, unlike giving my credit card number, nobody can ever do anything with that ever again. It's a it's a one-time deal if and only if I decide. And that's really where the light bulb moment kind of went off, you know, went off for me is the first transaction that I did and really realizing, 
man, I have full control over this. There's there's no way that the receiver of that Bitcoin transaction when I've made my first one was ever going to be able to take anything from me again, which is not the case with credit cards. And that's, mm-hmm. that's what I hate about them. But let's kind of get into like when, so you get out of high school, you go to college and you're all into computer graphics, not, not as much doing, you know, program. Well, clearly you have to program and understand programming basics, but your emphasis was graphics and not like SQL database query manufacturing or front end development. It was all about graphics. Was that just something that like, you're kind of like maybe uh, more artistic and just went to the visual side? Uh, Yeah, I guess so. I'm a bit of an all rounder. So I'm quite interested in the sort of artistic side of things and yeah so my, my course actually at university was did have some computer science like hardcore computer science stuff so I did do some SQL but it wasn't the focus so the, I'd say like 70% was the graphics but actually it was um, a lot of maths so computer graphics is really you have to be really really good at maths to, to do it um, because yeah you have to know about matrices and um all kind of crazy 3D mathematics to understand um, how how it's all put together. So it was like, although I did kind of go into it thinking, oh yeah, this will be artistic and you can be like artistic with computer graphics. Um, it actually was very mathematical to get your art on the screen. So it was kind of a mixture. Yeah, I remember the, do you remember uh, watching the movie Tron? Yeah. Man, did you read about the backstory on how Disney, what they had to do to make the graphics in that movie? Because there was no front end. There was no there was no graphic user interface for anything that even remotely approaching a 3D modeling editor. Yeah. Nothing. It was I haven't actually I've read about that, but I can imagine like, I mean, so I did computer graphics at university and then I, I did um, special effects as my first job. And like just in the t- 10 years or t- 15 years since then, like things have changed so much. Like the stuff I had to do at university, you just don't have to worry about now. You don't have to, you don't need yeah. to know any maps to do ga- games. You just need to like drag and drop things. Whereas when I started, it yeah. was like you had to know exactly how the mathematics. Otherwise it was just, I like, I did my master's on collision detection, which was like, uh-huh. uh, you know, for your listeners, the computing, how if a bullet strikes a, person in a first person shooting game type mathematics but you don't need to worry about that when you make a game now <laughs> all that stuff no nah, in unity yeah, yeah in unity you, you just drop a collision uh, collision detector you know on whatever it is that you want and then hook those wires up and it's pretty much a done deal yeah, it, yeah. it's amazing you know my boss at, at texas tech we were uh, i was the administrator for the 3d animation lab out at the library there me and my boss that's we talked about games all the time and just what you know what unity and and uh unreal and uh the other engines solve for us now that he had to hard code not more than 10 years before me and him met and it was just amazing seeing that happen so you it's not just thunder games you're still you're still doing stuff with fire zoo is that correct yeah, so um, FireZoo is a, is another games company that I have, which is uh, not my primary focus now. I'm trying to make the okay. uh, Thunder Games one more of a success. But um, 
Pfizer is like I did. I made a different company for it. I could have put it under the same brand, but I decided to do a separate one in case like the Bitcoin thing put me on like blacklists and made my games like uh, I guess shadow banned on Google Play or something just to keep mm-hmm, it separate. Mm-hmm. Which I think has happened to be honest. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, um, that's a bummer, man. Yeah. There's a, so I had the first game, Bitcoin Bounce. And it was getting like a thousand downloads a day from um, like organic search. And then all of a sudden it was zero. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I can't know for sure if it's like kind of been suppressed or if it is literally like I just got lucky with this kind of random organic searching that was happening, or they tried a different algorithm or something. But anyway, yeah, that's why yeah, I did got- two different companies just in case something weird happened. Yeah, and I've got a couple of questions about app development and having to navigate all that stuff a little bit later. But so when you found Lightning, was was that the moment when you're going, this is for games? This can be for games? Or was it not that way? Uh, it wasn't. No, it wasn't exactly like that because I did. I, so when I went and researched Lightning, um, which was, uh, I guess, like March... 2019 was when I started looking at it. Um, I didn't think it was going to work still because it was, I actually thought it was even more, like even though we talked earlier about the new sort of the way that Lightning works with the invoices is kind of makes you less scared. I actually felt like it made it more complicated. Uh, Although you had the advantages of it being an instant payment or near instant, and you could send small amounts, which is good for gaming. I just still felt like it was like the, the scanning QR codes and all this stuff was just like too much of a roadblocks for people to onboard to it. But then um, I stumbled across the LNURL protocol, which is kind of like an organic thing that spawned from the for people with wallets to be able to cash, cash out and pay for things on web services. And that... Uh, encapsulates that logic that a user normally has to do, which is like create your own invoice, send it to the person who's going to pay you and then receive the money. So because that encapsulates the logic, it made the user experience like 10 times better. So I was like, well, yeah, that's it. Then I can just do it with LNURL. So, and that's what you'll see in my games is I, I deliberately have no like login in. You don't have to log in or anything. You just tap a button and it creates an LNURL which lets the user cash out. So once I actually made that sort of one-click cash out with the LNURL stuff, that's when I realized, oh, yeah, this is actually something that's got no friction that can onboard people. It's actually fun to use and it can onboard new people because they haven't got to learn anything about invoices or the Lightning Network or anything because they're just tapping a button and it opens their wallet. What they need to do is download a wallet and then tap this button in my game and they get some Bitcoin. Yeah, user experience, you know, is just one of the most important things ever. And it doesn't matter what the product or service is. It's absolutely, user experience is absolutely critical. And those people that don't, that don't take it seriously, I think, you know, there's only, honestly, there's only one thing that I know of that has the most terrible user experience that people will just go ahead and fight through because they just love the game so much. And that's a game called Dwarf Fortress. And even the de- developer of this thing, like it's him and his brother, 
And if you haven't heard of it, I won't get into it, but it's like this immense game with this massive rule set. I mean, the it's just this, it's almost mind boggling when you look at the structure of it, but the user experience is so bad yeah. and every, like y- y- there's not even a unifying theme between different, uh, engagement scenarios where you're yeah. like a setting up your dwarves to like, you know, you're going to armor them and give them swords and stuff like that. That versus something else that's in the game is like, it was built by two completely separate people yet. It was actually built by the very same person. He's the first to admit I suck at user experience. <laughs> that's the problem when so, you're just a small team, then you, you, you don't, um, you have blind spots, don't you? You can't, you can't make the best thing on, on every kind of, in every discipline. He, he obviously right. made something good. Otherwise no one would fight for it. He must be amazing at one particular discipline. It, well, it, it, the whole thing is, the whole thing was based on a synthetic story generator. This thing will actually, a, he's got, a, he's got a program that causes a computer to get these like just weird inputs. And through that, sort of like, you know, gener- genning up your own, you know, wallet address. In, but in this case, it gens up a history of this, this game. And it's not, when I mean history, it's like in English and it's readable. He never wrote a scrap of it. And yet full sentences with punctuation, proper names, and all the sentences make sense. And they're all cohesive. I still don't know how he did that. <laughs> and that's one of the things that I, that I think, cause it's like, you're, I mean, you can generate 10,000 years worth of history. It's, it's bizarre. If you've never seen Dwarf Fortress, I, I told the talk to uh, Samson Mo and Wayne Wan Chong out of, uh, um, oh God, I, I'm so embarrassed. I guess, what the hell? Infinite Fleet. Yes. Infinite yeah. Fleet. And they hadn't seen it either. And I'm like, dude, you gotta go see, you gotta go see it just for the story generation aspect because it's amazing. So yeah, just so if you get time, research Dwarf Fortress and, and be astounded and amazed. And also just like, oh my God, nobody's going to ever play this. <laughs> so Thunder Games. Okay. Right? So I want to, I want to kind of dig into this specifically. What, I, I know that you, you said that you kind of started uh, Thunder Games to get it to where it was decoupled from FireZoo, but what what caused you to actually say I'm going to do Thunder Games? Um, so I actually have had some problems with uh, Apple and Google in the past of like taking my games down because they didn't like them or um, too too violent. One of them was, and I've always kind of like wanted to like do something where you're like a a game developer who that is not coupled to the their platforms um and 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 bitcoin is the like ultimate way to do that so that's what it was, that was kind of the inspiration was like i don't want to be messed around by anyone anymore i just want to do my own thing and but saying that i have actually released the games on apple and uh google but that's not like my ultimate plan for thunder games that's just kind of like a means to an end to get some traction and get some people interested because it's, it's still the easiest way to to play games and all the good wallets are on the phones as well so um but yeah, yeah. It's basically the genesis of thunder games was kind of me getting sick of like bit like all of these big tech companies i won't go into the details about how i got screwed over but 
Oh no, that's yet. that. I think we we you know in the space we've heard enough stories about this from Bitcoin wallets to other services being taken down off of Apple and no reason given. And it's just yeah, it's it's they. I kind of feel that big tech has put themselves dug themselves a deep enough hole that they may you know be swimming in money, but I get the feeling that some of the choices that they've made have put them in a permanent position of basically being viewed as the enemy by all the rest of the people that are coming up, you know, saying, I'm not going to do things the way that you do things. And we're seeing more and more open source. We're seeing more and more people give over their time and energy for not much money because they're just sick. They're just sick of what they see, you know? Yeah. If I was um, really wealthy and I didn't have to like try and find a way to, uh, make money i would just do open source and just that would be it i would be a, anything i could do that would help uh, remove them from their you know monopolies i would be on board with that well i think i think over you know over the course of the rest of our lives i think both me and you are going to see a wholesale change in a in a lot of stuff and and i think it's going to be a lot more graphically violent for for the for these companies than than we think they are i I mean i could literally see you know something like you know a a billion you know hundreds of billions of dollars of market share basically being just blown out overnight and i i can't wait to see it happen but move but but moving on i want to ask you about the games that you do have on thunder games it looks like I'm just seeing two when I go over to thunder.games forward slash games. Is that sort of just the Bitcoin bounce and the Turbo 84? Yeah, those are the two we've got so far. So they're both like hyper casual games to make it super. They're kind of the the idea is to um, make a super easy, simple game. So the game is really easy to learn. And also have a super easy, simple way to cash out, which is lightning, which should be as easy to learn as possible. So I didn't want to make some complicated... Or firstly, I didn't want to make a complicated game because I, I didn't want people to have to learn too much stuff. Um, uh, and also making a complicated game is expensive. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, we've got these kind of simple, hyper-casual games. But I think the reception to them has been quite good so far. You don't need to, you don't need to blow the bank on a, ma- a massive crazy game to prove to, to have a success, I think. So was the creation of both these games, was it sort of also uh, not just, it seems like it may have not just been a, you know, I want to make a casual game. I, I don't want there to be a high learning curve, but it also seems like there was like that lends itself into, this is how we are onboard people into Bitcoin via the lightning network and making that experience just really cool and having a game that powers that where you can do something and collect, you know, uh, Satoshi's on the lightning network and then be able to cash out, uh, is, was that in your thought process as well to onboard? Yeah. So that's basically the, the, the main thread is monetizing onboarding of people to Bitcoin through games. So the easiest, the easier I can make it to onboard people to, um, Bitcoin and the Bitcoin companies, the more money I can make through ads, etc. So my um, incentives align with the Lightning Network in a way because I want to, I want I monetize the game through ads. So I want to make sure the right ads are going to the right users, and they're going to try all these cool Lightning products and Bitcoin products. And also, 
teaching them to um, you know use a, a Bitcoin wallet, which helps uh, other Bitcoin wallet companies, and also finding out what the pain points are for the users with the the wallets can help sometimes. Uh, but then also that means that the the user journey in my game, which is ends with them having to download a wallet, becomes a sort of monetization point as well, where I can potentially, you know, have a recommended wallet or something. Um, so the business model is actually planned around onboarding people, um, which is why the game's are simple and why it's got an advertising model. That makes sense. So how now, I guess we should kind of pause here to say that Turbo 84 has now been released on the uh, on the App Store for for Apple, and yes. I know that because I downloaded it. <laughs> I'm trying to get my son to play it so he can farm me some Satoshis, but he's not having any of it. He's got his he's got his Nintendo Switch, so it's, <laughs> it's a little difficult right now. But uh, surely, you know that that you know against all recognizable child labor laws, I want him to farm me some Satoshis. <laughs> yeah, so. How does lightning work? Let, let's take Turbo 84 for an example. This is a racing game that you kind of, you, the car's going and it's going rather slow at first and you're switching lanes to avoid obstacles. And then all of a sudden things start dropping that you can go pick up. Can you explain how your, what are your thoughts on on lightning in in Turbo, uh, Turbo 84? What was your thinking? How were you thinking about okay, I, I know how lightning works. What can I do to represent that in the game? And how do I get out? Can you kind of go through what your thought process was on that? So, yeah, in Turbo 84, there's the iOS version and the Android version, and they're slightly different with the lightning um, integrations because Apple has okay. different rules. Um, so in basically... The concept isn't how do I put lightning in the game. It's how do I use a monetary or compensation incentive to my players to get them to play more. So I, my goal is to get people to play my games for longer and, and play more and enjoy it more. So I came at it from the angle is how do I put Bitcoin into the game, which will increase those metrics, not necessarily as a, kind of how do I just put it in for being in their sake? You know, I could put Bitcoin in the game, but right. it would just people would just collect it. I mean, like, I'll just lose loads of money. <laughs> um, so I came in from that angle. So on, on Android, we have a lot a daily lottery. So users collect raffle tickets as they drive along the track. And when you collect these tickets, each one goes into the lottery. So the more you collect, the more chance you've got for the bigger prizes. Um, so that's quite good because like, because we can do give away really small, small prizes, we can make sure everyone wins. So even if you just get one ticket, you're definitely going to win like 10 sats or something, but like the right. jackpot's like 5,000 sats or sometimes it's 500,000 sats. Wow. So that increases the re-engagement aspect of the game because people come back every day to, you know, do it again. Like oh, I'll try again today or just get few sats or I'll just get a few tickets see if I can win the jackpot um, so that's the kind of way we've done it in the Android version and on iOS we weren't allowed to do that because there's a rule saying you can't give users compensation for tasks 
So, you, for example, you can't pay them to do surveys or you can't pay them to watch ads or whatever. So okay. we kind of fell under that uh, uh, kind of rule, which I don't think there is, I don't think we did, but then they kind of changed it because the, the reason they gave me wasn't that particular rule. It was like a general bad business practice rule. <laughs> so, and then they said it was because I was giving money for tasks. Uh, um, so so in, on the iOS version, the only way you can actually win some Satoshis is like randomly on a spinner. Like a, I don't know if you use the Fold app with their spinner. Yes. It's the same concept as that one. Uh, so you, yeah. you can open the game and you can spin the spinner if you come back every day and you either win some kind of game content, some free game content, or you might win some sats. And they've accepted that for now. <laughs> Yeah, for yeah, for now. Well, again, I got questions about that here in another section. But, you know, one of the things that I thought was the most interesting about that game is I'm I'm sitting here playing, you know, playing it, you know, kind of testing it out. And I'm like, this is a little bit harder than, you know, harder than I thought, you know, for the and the cars going, you know, I'm like five miles an hour. Why do I suck so bad? At this? <laughs> but, you know, you know, you get you get better at it. And, you know, um, a clean, you know, a clean screen and, a you know, clean fingers actually do help on, on that kind of stuff. But, you know, so then I start picking, you know, I get to the point where I'm, I have gone, you know, gone far enough that I start picking up ticket or not picking up tickets, but I'm picking up, you know, these little, like, I think I can't remember. Blue tokens. Yes. Oh, the green, those. Oh, there's, there's the green power ups, which make you go faster. And then there's the blue tokens, okay. which you can spend on like new cars and stuff. Yeah. See that. And that's what I was like going, okay, so this is like, you know, this is good. This is good. And then I finally, I finally, you know, I can't remember exactly what happened. I've like, I finally got into where I could go to the spinner. I'm like, Oh, okay. This is like, you know, like you said, it's like the fold app. It, it looks familiar. Mm-hmm. And I, I spin it and that's like, you've won 10 Satoshis. And then the little button is collect. I'm like, okay, hit collect. And it's like, opens up my blue wallet. Because it just yeah. happened to be on, you know, on on my iPhone. It sensed that it was there, opens it up and says, Here, you know, it, like I've, I've got the invoice and then I collect it. And all of a sudden I get 10 Satoshis. This, this happened within 15 seconds. This is one of the most slick user experiences that I've ever had. Kudos, man. That, I mean, because like we said, not only is user experience important, it's hard to develop. And I think you nailed it on that one. Was that something you were pleasantly surprised with when when you figured out that it was going to be that smooth? Well, to be honest, I'm not the best at user experience. And um, I think the reason why it's so good is because it's got good foundation, which is the Lightning Network. And there's not really anything, there's not really any kind of um, divergences that can happen. It's like it either works or it doesn't. Um, Most of the time it works. And... You know, it's just opens like all of the all of the stuff that makes the payment happens with the LNURL protocol that I mentioned earlier. So right, that encapsulates like who the team of people who have been developing that. Um, they're kind of like some anonymous people and some known people in the Bitcoin space. Yeah, they're the ones that deserve the credit for the user experience because they solved the problem. I just uh, in the game just literally used it. Um, so yeah, I don't get really deserve any credit. But see, uh, but that's I'll awesome take it. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, but see that that having these tools become available, you know, I remember when you know Lightning was you know it was really hard 
you know, it was really hard to use and it, the experience got better and, but everybody was still harping on the fact lightning's going nowhere because of X, Y, and Z on the user experience. And I'm like, everybody else that understands what's going on. I'm like, do you have zero patience? Yeah. And I don't get that. I'm like, I remember having to type in full URLs into Netscape to get to a website <laughs> that took 15 minutes to load because it was, it was graphics heavy, you know, had a bunch of pictures on it, like uh, astronomy.com at the time or something like that. And I was trying to try, I was, I remember I was downloading the Hubble deep field photograph of all the galaxies that are way, way, way away. That thing's huge. And it took 15 minutes to download. I didn't cry about it. I didn't, what I wasn't saying, you know, the internet's going to fail because of it. So I don't, I don't get the sentiment here where we see all these things that like the LN URL comes all along and it's like a game changer. And yet still are like, still people are like, Nope, lightning's going to fail because of this, this, and this. I don't get it. Do you, you got any thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, so whenever I see something like that on Twitter, I, I try to, I don't want to be like a Twitter evangelist or anything like that. It's not my kind of style. But if I do see someone say something like that on my Twitter feed, I do like try and comment and uh, so, like correct them. But I don't know why people, I think it's just some people's personalities are like that. They just think, oh, it doesn't work now or never work. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I've no. There's, there's there's been some issues recently with the high fees that affected some Lightning wallets. Um, yeah, but that's because they still need to work on the protocol a little bit. Still, it is still kind of a work in progress. It's very very. Oh, absolutely. Being like, I mean, I'm getting away with it with uh, Thunder Games. It's almost like, no, you can use it in a production uh, app or game, but there's still some kind of pitfalls. Yeah, no, and and there will be until yet again some anonymous group of people who are just tired of all the BS that we that we seem to have been fed over the decades, just solve it because they it just happens again and again and again. Just when you think something is bad, it's like, oh, by the way, we did this here. You can use it. And it's yeah. the most amazing thing that I've ever seen. But the one thing I, I really wanted to ask are. I, I know this is not going to be true, but are you running your own lightning node to power this or how's, how yeah, are you so doing that on the back end? At the moment I'm using um, a lunar node. So it's, I basically follow about, like I said, March um, 2019, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll set up my own lightning node so I can test this stuff out. And I think um, it was, or it might have been June when I actually finally did it. I can't remember. And um, I just followed the tutorial on the BTC pay server um, website to set up a lunar node with there was like a one click installs a Bitcoin full node and a lightning node. So I've been using that um, ever since. And I got some help from um, Christian Moss, who is uh, one of the founders of Zebedee. Uh, I think oh, it was okay. before he founded Zebedee, but he helped me um, with BTC pay server a little bit to set it up. And uh, so yeah, but I've literally just used that setup until now. I'm still using that same same node, and but I've recently started using um, the Voltage Get Voltage. I don't know what the full yeah. name of the company. Is. So I've got one of those nodes now, and I'm going to try that one out because it's a little the BTC Pay Server one is good, but it it's 
probably more for a merchant. I actually just need like the raw node. In what's happened is I'm not actually using any of the B2C Pay server so much. I do use right. um, I, I do use it for some invoices for when I get an advertiser who wants to advertise in the game. So I might I'll still probably still keep that node, but um, yeah, I'm going to use the. Uh, the, the voltage product is really cool. And the good thing about using it now, I don't want to shill it, shill it too much. Um, he doesn't pay me for this, uh, by the way. But the good thing about using it now is because he's just sort of um, starting out, you get you can get quite good uh, customer support because you can go in his Telegram and go, go in the voltage Telegram group and, you know, yeah. get set up and ask any questions that you think you're too, too, that you're too scared to ask almost, you can, you can ask in that group. Um, so yeah, that's I was, why I get value from it because of the customer yeah, support. The, the way that this, this community is coming together, it's not just lightning. Like I was setting up a Sphinx chat. I wanted to set it up on my own, on my own raspberry Pi alongside my node, uh, BTC. And I found great resources just chatting with the people in their telegram. And they were really helpful. Even when I nuked both my config.json file and my app.json file, they were like, we were all laughing at me. And I'm like, going, damn, I'm, <laughs> such, I'm such a noob when it comes to Linux. I was like just dumping out of the, uh, of the editor when I was making edits to those files and not realizing that I wasn't saving. So I went back to config and it's like this blank sheet and I'm like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. So where does Thunder Games go next? Do you got another game in the pipeline or are you just kind of chilling out with these two games right now? Um, yeah, so we've got, um, we have got two games that we're, we're penciling in um, and they shouldn't be, take too long to make because we've, a lot of the development time with the first two games was dealing with bots and dealing with Bitcoin and dealing with just everything that comes with making a game. So there was quite a lot of um, work to do on that side. And But now um, we've sort of solved quite a lot of our problems that we had originally and the monetization problems we had, uh, which was because we had Bitcoin in the game it was became quite difficult to get advertisers. Uh, mm-hmm. Like Google wouldn't allow it, for example. Um, they wouldn't allow their ads. Um, so it was a bit of a problem. But I've found some people now. So solve some of the kind of business-related problems. So, yeah, we've got a couple of games. Um, we're probably going to make web versions of the Bitcoin games as well because we can be more creative then because the, the rules are too limiting on iOS is like a joke. You can't do anything. Um, and Android yeah. is almost the same. It, it's, uh, yeah, you can't really do anything on Android either, apart from basically what I've done, which is this kind of tickets and uh, like almost like a loyalty points that reward you a prize. You know, that's, that's you can't do esports really um, or anything like right. that. Right. So. Well, let's, I want to kind of ask you a couple of questions about mobile development because, uh, you know, at one point or another, you're always going to get, you know, exposed to some computer programming and you've got, you know, developer kits and whatnot like that. But, you know, it's, I have, I know one guy that has developed for mobile. So I kind of wanted to ask if you get a concept for a game and go into deployment of that game, what do you use to build on? I mean, is there like, I mean, are you guys like put like putting the art assets together and then 
like, I mean, you're not building it on a mobile phone. You're building, I, I would assume a desktop. Is there like some kind of mobile emulator or something that you guys so, use? What, what's, what's that like? Yeah. So I just use um, unity. So you can in the unity software, build a game for mobile P, uh, PC, Mac, uh, web, and you can within the editing environment of your game, you can emulate the screen sizes of, you know, like a, a mobile phone. So you can make sure it's going to work properly on that screen size. Then um, if you want to test it on a phone, you need to export from Unity to Xcode, which is um, the iOS way to build, use Xcode to build iOS apps. And then you can build that and run it on your phone and test it. Uh, and then on Android, you can use Android Studio. So you basically go from Unity to Android Studio or Xcode and mm-hmm. then build it in a normal way like you would a normal iOS app. Or okay. Yeah, that was one of the things that I had actually forgotten about using Unity um, was its export functions are ridiculous. Uh, it, it's, yeah, it's yeah. the most amazing thing. Cause when, it, when we first put it on the computers at the lab at Texas tech libraries, um, they, you know, you'd be able to deploy it out to windows or Mac, you know, mm-hmm. you could make a windows game or you could make a, you know, a Mac game. And that was pretty much kind of it. And then the next iteration, uh, that we got, uh, for the, for the laboratory, there was like two more things that you could go to. I think it was like, you could go to, xbox or playstation or something like that and then the time after that it was like all horses were lit out of the out of the ring it was just running free there was like me and my boss were looking at the list of what you could export to going there's no way there's absolutely no way that they made all of these functional and they did it's amazing yeah yeah Um, it's good well at what point you know, when, when you're doing, when, when you get to the point, well, okay. What's the point at which you are satisfied with the game to go ahead and deploy it to like the Apple app store or Google play or something like what, well, what has to happen just in general for you to say it's ready to go? Um, yeah. I mean, so the first game I, I made was Bitcoin bounce. I don't know if you've seen, uh, played that one because it was on, it was on iOS for a while and then Apple took it down. Um, yeah. Uh, and for that one, that was like a proof of concept. So I made like the most ridiculously simple game, which is, and the graphics were just cubes, you know, um, but I made it like, to look like a blockchain or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm so looking at I, a screenshot. Yeah. I wasn't too like precious about it. It was more like, does the gameplay work? Does the caching out work? Does it have like the key elements of like a hyper casual game, which is kind of endless and um, addictive and cha- and challenging? Um, mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, I just released it as a beta. And because people liked it and I saw they liked it from the stats, like they would repeat playing like the next day and the next day after that, I just pulled the trigger on it and was like, oh, do you know what? I'll just get this out. Um, and then for Turbo 84, that one was actually, um, we start, that one was actually a game I'd built for FireZoo and mm-hmm. we based, we were actually really into the film Drive, um, which is like a, got like kind of a pink eighties theme to that film. And yeah. so we kind of just wanted to make it look like that ish, like have that vibe to it. Um, 
But normally, like the the for because mobile games are not never going to look like AAA titles. You don't have to really worry about how they look so much because the ones that get to the top are just the the charts, are just the ones that spend the most money on ads, and it means yeah. that because they're kind of cheaply made, um, everyone's expectations is not very high because the ones the best games are not like they've spent loads of money on the graphics. So I don't worry too much about that. I worry more about uh, if people are playing it and if uh, the if it actually just kind of works. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now you've you, you've you've made the decision that hey, we're going to cut it loose and we're going to send it on. Let's talk just a little bit about the app approval process. What the hell is that even like? I mean, just what's your like thinking about how how to do this? You know, like all your experience with having to do this. Um, what's that like? Is it just horrendous, or is it not so bad, or what? Yeah, I think, yeah. do you know what? I guess it's like over the years, I've got a bit more desensitized to it, but I feel like it is probably one of those things where it's quite emotional when you, like, I do worry. Like when I get an email from, when I've received an email in my inbox and I see it's from Apple, I do think, oh my God, <laughs> what's happened? Like, even if it's just a notice about a terms and conditions change, my heart skips a beat. <laughs> um, yeah. It's not like they, I haven't had too many problems, um, but it's kind of the thing that when you've had one problem, you always think the worst now. Um, so it is kind of scary, but it's, I think it depends on your personality as well. Like some people are just amazing poker players and have no emotion. Well, they probably would be fine. Uh, but if you've got, if you're a little bit emotional, you could uh, potentially get a bit, like if you get rejection, I think some people might take that quite hard because the problem is with Apple is you, you get no feedback. So you basically have to spend loads of money, build something, and then hope that they accept it. And then when they don't, and you ask them like, oh, what if I change this? What if I do that? They say, we can't give you any advice. You'll have to upload a new build and we'll, tr we'll check it. <laughs> so it's like, okay. you know, you spend another like $2,000 or something doing a, a chat, like an update to the thing you've already done. And then they reject it again. And it's like, at what point do you start thinking, oh, I just need to save a bit of money and not relentlessly uh, keep iterating, you know, on this concept? Because they just don't give you enough to work with. But like, I mean, I got enough eventually with um, Turbo 84 to get that uh -huh. out. Um, but that, I'm a bit disappointed with Turbo 84 because it is literally just the spinner. At least with uh, on on the Android version of the tickets, at least yeah. you're, the better you are at the game, and the more tickets you get, the more chance you've got of winning the bigger prize. So it's kind of uh, there's a relationship there between the gameplay and the winning of prizes, which unfortunately I can't particularly do in iOS. Yeah, so it decouples the skill versus you know. Um... Yeah, your your ability to get satoshis and that yeah that blows but you know it's god it's you, you know yeah and you when you got to play by their rules then there's just i mean because they don't care they're like fine don't yeah. play by the rules bye and it, which brings me to the next question is you've had at, uh, games pulled off of of these platforms 
do you even get notified or do they just get pulled off? Do you get a warning or do they notify you when they pull it off or do they just not even care? And all of a sudden you notice your game's gone. Oh, no, you do get you do get an email. Uh, so with uh, Bitcoin Bounce, what happened was I did an update. So I must have done about 10 updates to Bitcoin Bounce and I put loads of documentation um, with like how the Bitcoin works, explain the, how the payments work. And they even wrote back to me in one of my updates saying, does your, um, does your game contain a wallet? Um, how does that, they want clarification about the cryptocurrency and everything. So like I went for all of that and I, the app was out and I did loads of updates. And then I did a, an update, which I think just had like, I don't know, a new character in it. And then all of a sudden that update got rejected because of, um, the Bitcoin in it, the Bitcoin prizes that I, well, the competition uh-huh. that I'd set up, basically, which had been accepted before, and I'd I'd given all the paperwork and the uh, you know terms and conditions and legal work that I'd done on it. I didn't just randomly do submit it. I did check that it wasn't illegal, um, and <laughs> yeah. So then you get an email saying your recent update has got a problem. It's kind of like a friendly. You know, there's uh, you've got a message. <laughs> So like Apple has sent you a message in the resolution center. So you go to oh, the no. resolution center and you're like, oh no, what have they said? And it's like this, yeah. it's like a little kind of like chat room thing where like a thread and um, they just tell you, they basically just tell you the, the specific rule you've broken and you can reply to them and they, they can give more clarification, but they don't normally. Um, and then they sometimes call you. So on Bitcoin Bounce, they did call me as well. Um, and explained to me that I had two weeks to fix the live version, otherwise it was going to get taken down. Um, so I just took the the live version down myself because I, I was like, I'm not sticking to your deadline. I'm going to just take it down myself. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, then I thought I'll come back with some different approach because there's, there's not just giving away Bitcoin as prizes. There's other angles you can put Bitcoin in the game. Um for example, player to player uh, trading of assets. So you could have games that allow users to upload assets and sell them between each other. And that could be a Bitcoin. You know, there's different things, but obviously that's, a, that's quite an expensive thing to implement. Um, so yeah, then I just, took, you just take the, I just took the, in my case, I took the game down. But then once you've got the rejection status, you just have to keep doing updates until. They accept it, and then once they've accepted it, they just get an email saying your app is ready for sale. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Well, you bring up a good point because it transitions into the 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 other st- uh, stuff that I wanted to ask you about was, you know, beyond Thunder Games and and you know what your your company just gaming in general, not even mobile, just video games in general, and uh, you know we're, I'm, I'm getting into the whole where does Bitcoin and Lightning you know, beyond Thunder games happen in games. And I was thinking about like, like, let's think about um, one of the first things that me and you both had was when we first discovered Bitcoin, the first thing that we did is compare it to the digital tokenage of any of the games that we had probably been playing or heard of and realized, yeah, there's going to be a, a, like a a money duplication bug. Somebody's going to exploit, which they always do. And it kind of drives us away. But now, now we're here and we know that this isn't going to happen. So it's time, I think it's time for like, you know, video games to start revisiting 
the potential of inserting actual economies into their game. So when we say, when I say game economy, what's your first response? What's your gut reaction? Um, my gut reaction is, is probably, is probably too hard. And also, um, it's too, probably too hard. And also money in games has been, isn't new. Like, so when I think about Bitcoin and lightning and I look at all these products that come out, not just games, I just replace the word lightning with money and see if there's anything innovative, you know. And in mm -hmm. games, you can already have money in them. Um, so, and, and, and what big games companies do is they don't use that mechanism. They have their own virtual currency. And I guess the reason is because, well, I think pretty sure the reason is that you want to obscure value from your users. So if they buy 10,000 gems for $5 and you spend those gems on a, on a hacksaw and that hacksaw creates you, you can use that hacksaw in the game to get um, 10 trees and then you use the trees to buy something in the game. So then the trees are like the, the money you spend. You have no idea how much a tree is, so you're more likely to spend loads more of it. That's why they have all these crazy currencies that you exchange between is to stop you understanding how much you're spending. Um, so the problem with putting Bitcoin straight in is it's so valuable and it has this idea of it being valuable. You don't want to spend it. You need to save it and you want to collect it. Now, if you use it as a normal currency in a game, people are not going to spend as much on your stuff. It's going to be the complete opposite of what you want to happen. So I see it that it can work in a game, but it's like the other side of it. So for stuff you want people to spend on, you use normal virtual currency. And then the stuff you want people to value, you use the, the, the Satoshi. So that's what I've done in Turbo 84, in, in particularly on Android, is I want them to value playing more, collecting tickets and winning Bitcoin. And then, so that's the thing that's the, they collect and they don't spend. And then I want them to think that the tokens, those uh, blue tokens you spoke of earlier, mm -hmm. you use those to spend in the game. So they're valueless. Like people don't care about those and you can buy those as well with cash and you just don't have any, because you're winning them all the time as well. You don't really have any foothold and how much you're spending, like what's one token worth you don't know and it's worthless. So you just easily spend it. So I think they might, I think, that's my gut feeling is it will be in games maybe like that, but I might be wrong. <laughs> I'm not well, the, no, uh, I mean, I, you're, you're, echo, you're echoing the same sentiment that, you know, cause I've done a lot uh, almost all of my first year, I think my fifth interview that I, cause I started, you know, I started doing Bitcoin and just as like given the news, but you know, I really started wanting to talk to people about, you know, about a few different subjects and gaming is, is definitely one of them. And you're not alone. I mean, you're, you're echoing the same sentiment that I've heard from Samson Moe um, and some other people uh, that have said pretty much the same thing, that they're not really up on the direct use of something like lightning directly inside of a game for the very yeah. reasons that you're talking about. So what, what I see happening is that the game itself we'll have like an input transformer and an output transformer. And what I mean by transformer is like, you know, if you're stepping down voltage and electricity on a, like a, an electrical grid, you got, 
you know, electricity coming in on one side of the transformer and it induces through a magnetic field electricity into the other pole. And so electricity never directly contacts the, it, it sort of uses, you know, the magnetic field to induce something else to occur. And what I, I kind of think that I see the rail of lightning or Bitcoin going up the side of a game and that it induces the ability for you to have tokens inside that game and then possibly be able to cash those tokens out through another transformative process that turns it back into Satoshi's, but not actually directly in the game. I think it'll happen in a few instances, but as to whether or not it works and works well, given the regulatory aspects of what we're talking about, I don't know. Yeah. Because there's like a massive, a massive problem I've considered, obviously. Like I'm literally like worked on this problem for a year now and like I wake up thinking about it, you know, it goes to this, like what I think about every day. And one of the big things that you don't think about when you're just starting, just making a game with Bitcoin in, is that your game is going to crash a lot, right? If your game's on mobile as well, there's all these crazy like Android phones that might, like if someone's battery dies, you crash it. Your, the phone, you know, you lose your progress. So if you're playing a right. game like Server 84, and instead of tokens, they were Satoshis, and you're playing it for five minutes, and you collected 200 sats, and the game crashes. Are they persons lost 200 sats? They're going to be really angry at you. Yeah. Um, and I know what people say, oh, you know, you could make the game not crash or you could, um, you know, dynamic, like send them the sats in real time. But it's like, that's a lot of work mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, to, to do that. And also it's like, and, and it, but then when you also think about the reasons we just spoke about, um, with the uh, why would you use it anyway problem? It's like like there's too too many things that go against it, um, right? Yeah, but I, I'm completely open to it because people were like uh, Zebedee. I don't know if you've seen their Mint Gox project. Which yes, is, that's what I was. That's where I came into uh, interviewing Desiree Dickerson. Yeah, so they've got um, Satoshi's in the game. Um, the, their flagship game is like a. Mario Kart game where you collect Satoshis as you drive around and then um, you can throw them at people. So, I mean, it is, it is fun concepts. I mean, in that game, it does actually work quite well because um, it adds strategy to it because you might want to just save your Satoshis instead of throwing them. Um, so in yeah. that case, it works well because you want the dynamic of something feeling valuable and then that becomes part of the gameplay. Yeah. And you could always do stuff like, you know, if you're like, you know, the racing game type concept of throwing Satoshis, but you keep, you know, you continuously like, or like you're like, I don't know, buy power ups and you continuously throw it at your favorite driver. If that driver wins, you get part of the prize. I could see that. I could almost see something like that happening because God knows degeneracy and gambling in this space is. (laughs) I've seen more, more, People talk about their poker games and all kinds of gambling stuff. And I'm like, I, I'm not a gambler. I don't get it. And I'm like, how the hell did I hook up with all these people? I don't gamble. Yeah. <laughs> That's why gaming is a good use case for Bitcoin because gaming's addictive. Like I said earlier, that was the first thing I got addicted to. And then I guess the second thing I've been addicted to is Bitcoin. So, <laughs> Yeah, well, we all get that. Yeah. Okay, it is now is is uh we're at an hour and almost five minutes, so I want to make sure that we squeeze the last part in. This is the shill fest part of the uh interview. So shill us your announcements or anything that you want to particularly 
shill, which is completely fine. There's there's no there's no harm in shilling. Um, yeah, so please uh, follow my Thunder Games Twitter because we do random competitions with the games, so uh, you can join in with uh, others like completing challenges. Uh, we've also, if you go to the Twitter, there's uh, links to our Discord and Telegram groups where. I'm pretty active in those every day because obviously I'm programming all day and I keep my eye on the chat to see what everyone's chatting about. So if you want to learn more about the games and or have any questions, you can reach me there. Uh, also, Jack Everett is my my personal Twitter handle if you want to follow me on that. But no, I mainly just uh, retweet Thunder Game stuff or, <laughs> or, or the odd sarcastic comment. So yeah, no, no uh, Bitcoin shooting on there. And Thunder Games is at T-H-N-D-R-G-A-M-E-S, all one word. It's also at Jack Everett, E-V-E-R-I-T-T, all one word, correct? Or is there an underscore in there? That's perfect. Yep. Okay, cool. Well, Jack, thanks for giving us your time today. I really appreciate it. It was a kind of an eye-opening conversation. I had no idea about some of this stuff when it comes to, to mobile and some of the pitfalls that you go through, uh, the, the spinner and why you have it in the iOS version versus the Google play is especially kind of eye opening. So for all you guys out there that are thinking about doing mobile app development, watch out. Pitfalls are everywhere. Jack, thank you for your time. And we'll talk to you later. Cheers. All right, before I leave you today, I want to uh, basically leave you with this one. Uh, Brink, at Bitcoin Brink on Twitter, and that is B-R-I-N-K, says, Hello, world. Uh, I've heard, like, I, I saw a bunch of this being tweeted around this morning and looked at this, and this may, I don't know, this is relatively important over here. I think so. It, it, it This was released today at exactly 6 a.m. My time, the 24th of November 2020, says, Today we launch Brink, a totally independent, nonprofit organization to fund and support open source Bitcoin protocol development. Oh, baby. Okay. Apologies for the non-links below. Apparently they're trying to set links, but Twitter's being weird about blocking uh, when you put in a, uh, oh, like a website. So apparently... I'm going to have to click through all these uh, pictures here. But their first one down here <clears throat> says, we'll be giving grants to independent developers so that they can spend 100% of their time improving and strengthening Bitcoin. If you're interested in applying, please go to brink.dev forward slash programs hashtag grants. Little, okay, that a little weighty. And it says, just as importantly, we'll be investing in future protocol developers through our fellowship program. Fellows will spend a year learning how to be effective and impactful. Open source contributors go to brink.dev forward slash programs hashtag fellowship to learn more and apply. Bitcoin's value rests on its security and stability. Everything we build on top of Bitcoin depends on the base protocol and reference implementations being rock solid. One critical bug in the protocol or implementation has the potential to crash the entire Bitcoin economy. I really wish you wouldn't put it that way. But you may be right. I mean, one big bug. Okay, we've had bugs before. It didn't cry, crash the Bitcoin economy. But we always need to be on guard. <clears throat> that stability of the base layer depends on skilled developers vetting new proposals, reviewing changes, and fixing bugs. Yet, 
There are a few developers who have the experience to make impactful contributions and the path to become a Bitcoin developer is notoriously difficult. Uh, an aside here, if uh, I don't know if these people know about Jimmy Song, but Jimmy Song is, has produced many, many Bitcoin developers over the past few years. And from what I understand, very competent. Okay, so there is a pipeline for these people to come out into. <clears throat> the Brink Fellowship is a program to onboard exceptional candidates who, into Bitcoin protocol developments. Fellows will receive intensive mentoring and training over the course of one year and become impactful and established open source Bitcoin protocol developers. Uh, we're totally independent. All of our funding will be through supporters and sponsoring organizations. We've applied for 501c3 charitable status in the United States. If you would like to support them, go to brink.dev forward slash donate. All right. We're extremely grateful for our initial sponsors at J-L-P-P-F-E-F-F-E-R and Winsa Ciceras providing funding for our startup cost and ongoing admin. <clears throat> we couldn't have got off the ground without their encouragement and support. Thank you. Our first fellowship position will be funded by grants from the uh, HRF. Ooh, nice. And S oh, Square Crypto. So the Human Rights Foundation and Square Crypto are, are their first grants. Nice. Uh, or the people that are going to fund it. They've provided enough funding to pay the fellow's salary and all associated costs. Thank you for your belief in the value of mentoring and your support of Bitcoin's future. At Kraken FX, have provided funding for our first grant. That'll be enough to support an experienced protocol developer to work for a year. The devs we fund will review, test, and fix bugs, improving the security of Bitcoin for all users. You rock, <coughs> Kraken FX. And thanks to the amazing Gemini. That's at Gemini. We already have funding secured for our second fellowship position. Applications are now open. If you want to help build the future of money, you should apply today. Yeah, you should, probably should. Brink's unique model and independent funding will further decentralized open source protocol development. We're excited to add our contribution to the work that Chaincode Labs, Square Crypto, MIT DCI, and Blockstream, and many others are building. And they finish off by saying, we have more announcements coming very soon. Follow us on Twitter or head on over to brink.dev for the latest news. Okay, nice. That's good to know that, that we have yet more people getting into the granting and general funding of Bitcoin development. That's, that's good. I think that they should probably hook up with Jimmy Song. Um, or Jimmy should hook up with, with Bitcoin Brink because that seems like a match made in heaven. You need people to actually teach you what to do to have like some kind of grounding in in whatever X we're choosing here. <clears throat> and then if you were to send them off into a fellowship program, it would just solidify what was learned before. And then by the time they get out of the fellowship, they're in a they're in a particularly good place to apply for a grant. And after a year of that grant, can you imagine how good one of these like lit Check it out. Think about it. You go and you, you sweat it out through Jimmy Song's Bitcoin, like programming Bitcoin class. And then you get a fellowship at Bitcoin Brink. And then you get a grant from Bitcoin Brink. You're talking about three years. Like three, like, I mean, well, I mean, Jimmy doesn't do a whole year. But I mean, if you were to actually work on it, you know, what Jimmy taught you for a year and then you apply for a fellowship and you get it and then you get the grant. Dude, three years of solid Bitcoin development. <clears throat> 
Yeah, uh, you're probably not going to be looking for a job for very much longer after that. Probably don't need a grant after that. Probably just get picked up. So consider that if you're if you're wanting to you know stop programming <clears throat> SQL stuff or you know web page front end crap for you know your local library and want to do something that that is more challenging. I can't imagine anything more challenging than this. Plus, what you do. The time that you spend helps Bitcoin, and that helps humanity. It, it really does. It really does. With that said, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.